Seated. Good morning. Oh, I have great gratitude to be in this beautiful space with you, and I don't just mean the beauty of this building, but the space that is created by you as a community as I learn more about this church uh, of Ascension. Uh, I'm developing affection to see the beauty, as I see the beauty of what you want to create with each other and the difference you're seeking to make not only with each other but in the world. So it's a great honor to be with you in this place. And um, I'd like to start with a joke because it's said that if you're teaching or preaching in a new place, you should start with a joke and who am I to argue? So here goes. This is a joke written by a man named Emo Phillips. And this joke actually won (laughs) a contest for the funniest religious joke of all time. The funniest religious joke of all time. So here it goes. Once I saw this guy on a bridge and he was about to jump and I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, I'm Christian. I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What denomination are you? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. (laughs) All right, thank you for laughing. I'm really glad you laughed. (laughs) Uh, We laugh because... As all good jokes do, this one captures a truth. Now, you're never supposed to explain a joke. It's bad form. I'm going to explain this joke, all right? This joke, from my perspective, is funny because of two key elements, I assert. First is we all know that there is something within us that loves power and control. And a great way to have power is to know, quote unquote, to know that you're right that you have the right perspective, that you are in the right. Now, in this joke, it's the right theology, uh, you know, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. But it could be politics. It could be any perspective that we cling to, really. Secondly, we love to mask our love for power, we, we humans, our love for power in religious garb. Because one of the best ways to mask our ego's lust for power is through religion. You're throwing someone off a bridge, but you're justified in doing so because you've got the right religion, and actually all you're doing is defending the faith. Evil always needs a way to disguise itself. And one of the best ways to disguise itself is in religion itself. And this is one of the great paradoxes of religion. Religion which is meant to bring us closer to God, into the heart of God, to make us like God, if we're to believe Jesus, can be the very thing that we use to hide 
from God, even in our Sunday best. And all this functions, all of this works because we human beings, we tend to hate and resist being vulnerable. We're looking for some way to feel powerful, to be in control. And we tend to resist, like the plague, the vulnerability that true spirituality, true religion, true connection, intimacy, love, friendship requires. And it's been this way since the beginning, from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, right there in the beginning. A serpent says to Adam and Eve in the garden, all right, hold on now, did God really say you can't eat of the tree? What's that about? I think God just knows that if you eat that fruit, you will be like him. Oh, we'll be like him? Ding, you can almost hear the moment the coin drops. We'll be like him. If we'll be like him, that means we won't really need God. And from the beginning, this is the archetypal temptation to find a way to make it on our own and to pay our way on our own without ever having to be vulnerable or dependent. Because our ego would love that. From the beginning, our ego, our small self, as some call it, our false self, has been trying to find a way to not need God. Because the one thing our ego wants is just that, to pay our own way without having to be vulnerable or dependent. Love of power, love of control, resistance to vulnerability, we all have it within us. It's part of what it means to be human. Just as we also have a deep desire for connection, for vulnerability, for love. In fact, there is no deeper desire in us. That's what we want most of all, to see and be seen, to know and be known. So we are human contradictions. We want connection. We resist, like the plague, the vulnerability that real connection demands. And so scripture and our tradition, certainly Jesus himself, he's constantly calling us into vulnerability. So we come to this passage in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is once again, as he does throughout the Gospel of Matthew, he has an, uh, an interaction with, in this case, a conflict with the religiously rigid of his own day. In Jesus' day, there were all sorts of regulations set up by religious factions, different factions, regulations that often went beyond the actual letter of the law, regulations that Jesus thought missed the point, missed the spirit of law, of the law, missed the purpose of the law, regulations which were not about becoming good, but about mere posturing in the appearance of goodness, which is always what toxic or rigid religion will do. It'll shrink the religion down to rituals which give us the appearance of goodness, without demanding real transformation. So all of the, us in this place, as it was 2,000 years ago, so it is today, all of us in this place, we need to be aware in our humanity of this temptation to appear rather than to be. Now, this gospel reading, the regulations are about how to wash your hands and ritually prepare for a meal. The rituals change over time, but the pattern remains the same. It's about finding a way to have power and control. That is the constant. So the disciples come to Jesus. Jesus, don't you realize that these religious folk over here, they're offended with you? And you can hear the anxiety in their question, like, ooh, aren't you gonna make this better? Make the conflict, make the tension go away. Jesus usually does not make the tension go away. 
And their concern is, Jesus, you're contravening their teaching. Really, they, this is really important to them. You know, they're really focused on how you focused on how they wash and prepare, how you eat, with whom you eat. And if you do it wrong, if you break the law or the regulation, it makes you ritually unclean. They're offended that you're downplaying something that is so important to them. And so Jesus says, oh my gosh, you think they still like me? No, he doesn't. That's not what he does at all. Jesus, the epitome of a non-anxious presence, says, look, eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. It's what's inside. That's what matters. Now, the natural question, at least for me, the question that arises is, okay, well, Jesus, how then, how do we get clean on the inside? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus also says, be perfect. Oh, great. Sure, Jesus, thanks. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And the religious minds of his day, probably the religious minds of our day, say, okay, let me try my best to be perfect. Oh, man, somewhere in that quest, it's the quest for another piece of fruit. If I can pull this off, it'll be like eating that fruit. I won't need God. Our ego perks up. Maybe I can pull this off. If I'm good enough, if I perfect myself enough, maybe I'll be good on my own terms without having to be vulnerable. But what do we find in the quest to be perfect? First thing we find is that our effort can have great results. The quest to be perfect is a good thing, not a bad thing. A lot about us can change when we set our will to new work. And yet we always come to a place where we realize, hmm, I think I've hit the place that I can't change on my own. I I can't do it. I can't seem to become truly good, certainly not perfect on my own. And in some sense, maybe that's where the religious journey ends and the spiritual journey begins. Because it was never about our perfection or the religious quest to be powerful through our own efforts or our own rightness. Jesus' command to be perfect, it's actually a command, I think, disguised uh, as an invitation. Or it's an invitation disguised as a command. It's actually an invitation to become connected. Because it's only when we are connected to ourselves, to others, to God, that we become truly good. And then goodness happens without a whole lot of effort. When people are connected in love, they just naturally live in love. As Paul says, love is the fulfillment of the law. Religion is about being right, having the right answers, looking good. Spirituality is about being connected, and connection requires vulnerability. It's not concerned about looking good. One of the greatest failures of my life, I have not the time to give you all the details, thank goodness, but one of the greatest failures of my life turned out also to be one of the greatest gifts. I went to grad school in England. I, got a, uh, I completed my master's degree. I went back to start a, a PhD program, and then I, I thought, what am I doing? I'm such a mess. I don't want to be here. I had to petition the school to get my fees back and ended up in debt. It was just a complete failure. And I was, I had been a complete Jerk. I'm preaching, so I'm polishing my language here. I'd been a complete jerk to many people, to a woman, to a wonder, an incredible human being to whom I had promised, I had promised that I would 
that we'd be together and I broke it off without having the courage or the decency to, to break it off cleanly. And I looked at the ruin, I just, it was, you know, utter failure. Like smoke coming from the ruins on every side as I looked at what I had done. And it was that failure that became utterly transformative for me because I had tried so hard to be the good boy who did things right and I no longer was. And in many ways I realized I had just been keeping the outside of the cup clean to use Jesus' metaphor, keeping the outside clean. And I'd come to a place of being able to say, wow, okay, I really am an unsorted mess. As they say in AA, I am powerless in the midst of my many addictions. And somehow (laughs) in Jesus's kingdom, it's the ability to see this reality and to learn to accept it without resisting it but also creates in us the capacity to receive our deep belovedness in God in the face of the fact that we are an unsorted mess. The religious mind in all of us wants to create regulations on top of laws so that we can feel a sense of control. The religious mind can't see the spiritual invitation that Jesus is making, the invitation to be vulnerable. Spirituality is always making the invitation to stop taking ourselves so seriously and just say, wow, Wow. And each of us must come to the vulnerable place of saying, I'm unsorted and somehow I'm deeply beloved. How can that be? Thanks, truly, thanks be to God. And it never was about my goodness. It was always about becoming connected. Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest says, ultimately all we do is say yes back to the yes that God speaks over us. All we do is we learn to say yes back to the yes that God is speaking over us. When we learn to do that, and that is a lifelong learning, when we do that, down a Gentile woman, there's two major strikes against her in the culture of Jesus' day. She's a Gentile and she's a woman. Two things that were looked down upon by the men, those, the religious men. She, in this upside down kingdom, she becomes the exemplar of faith because she's willing to be powerless and still stand and say, yes, but surely God has a place for me at the table also. Just so, yes. The invitation of spirituality is to learn to be vulnerable and when we do, there's a place at the table prepared for us, long prepared for us. So I have a simple invitation for you today. When you discover your desire to be powerful on your own terms, to be right, to be certain, just know that we all have that dogmatic part of us and don't go to a place of judgment. Simply learn to say, to embrace the humility of saying, wow, okay, I'm an unsorted mess and I'm deeply beloved. Because if you can hold the tension of that paradox, that greatest of paradox, that tension itself will transform you. If you can hold the tension of that paradox, the tension will change you. All that any of us do at the end of the day is we learn to say yes, back to the yes that God has spoken over us. Our ego dies in this reality. Our ego wants to prove itself 
Our ego dies as we simply learn to be present and to say yes, but our spirit rises into the very life of God. Thanks be to God.